Okay, so welcome back. This is one of my favorite times of the week because I get to come in here and pod. Um, it's going to get real negative today. And I mean that in a good way. I mean that in a good way. It's going to get really negative today because i got to talk about the harsh truth about certain things. i got to give you guys the harsh truth about certain players, about certain teams. I have to give you guys the harsh truth. Um, so, once again, I'm, you can probably guess I'm going to talk about Baker Mayfield. Yes, I am. I'm going to talk about Baker. But, 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 but. On a bright note, I'm going to talk about the MJ, the Michael Jordan, and LeBron debate a little bit. I'm going to touch bases on that first. It's two a time in Miami, so I'm excited to see that. So let's get it going. Let's get it started. IKP, we're back again. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, ho- uh, I meant to say, I hope everybody out there is doing fine, doing well, being healthy, being smart. I hope everybody out there, you know, I hope everybody out there is doing well. for a second. So, here we go. Okay, so welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Welcome back, welcome back. Um, I'm your high, I'm your humbled and highly favored host, Isaiah Kid, and I'm so excited to see Tua. I'm going to talk about that a little bit, um, a little bit later. But first, so I talked about LeBron and Jordan a little bit. I, I talked about it a little bit last week. I didn't go full into de- detail, and I and I and I think I remember if I if I remember correctly, I said LeBron had the longevity certainly goes to LeBron without a shadow of a doubt. LeBron has had. His prime has been longer than anybody else's. His prime has been certainly longer than anybody else's. And the longevity aspect, LeBron as a foundation piece, he's the best. Sure, he's the best. I give you that. I give him that. And I'm a big LeBron fan. But I also stated Michael Jordan when Michael Jordan was at his peak precipice, as far as his prime at peak Jordan, there's nobody that's, that, that was as good in their peak as Michael Jordan was. Nobody. Nobody. I mean, it's just, and I, and I think, and yes, I think Jordan is the GOAT. I think Jordan is the GOAT. He is the consensus GOAT, and I think Jordan's the GOAT. And, I mean, and you can, and I love LeBron. I'm a big LeBron fan. Matter of fact, if you guys don't know, I, I, I like LeBron more than I like Jordan as a player. But, I, I, but I, I just think Jordan's the best player all time. I just think Jordan's the GOAT. 
But I like LeBron more. <laughs> I like LeBron more. And some of that is due to my age. Like, I grew up watching LeBron. I didn't grow up watching Michael Jordan. I grew up watching LeBron. So that's the, that's the generational gap, um, I guess. But LeBron is great. And I love him. And I like him more than I like Jordan as a player. He's my, LeBron's my favorite player. Jordan's not my favorite player. But Jordan is the greatest player of all time. Um, and you can, you can look at advanced stats. You can look at regular stats. No matter how quite you chop it up, Jordan has the edge. Um, if, you, if, like, if you look deep into the numbers enough, Jordan has the edge. And with Michael, okay, so and I, like I said, I think Jordan had the highest peak. I think, I, or not the highest peak, but for better, lack, for better lack of words, Jordan had the best peak. At his peak precipice, nobody was better than Michael. Nobody had a peak that was as great as Michael. Um, when you when you when you can, when you combine winning, the the stats, the numbers, the accomplishments, the accolades, nobody. Okay. Now, I t- and I also talked about how LeBron, what he can do to make this argument. Closer in some people's eyes. Some people, some people, there's some people out there that think LeBron is the go already. Okay. But there's some people out there that are open-minded and they they don't think they don't think LeBron's the go. Now, with I know of my generation, the people that are the, 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 the people that are around my age, the population that is around my age, and I know there's a lot of I mean, I I I, I see the numbers. A lot of you guys listen. A lot of you guys listen to this podcast. The people that's around my age, a lot of you guys listen to my podcast. And LeBron, and this speaks to how great LeBron is. LeBron is so great and he's so dominant where it's hard for the younger generation to, to even imagine that there could be somebody better. It's, it's sometimes hard to think about it because LeBron is so great and he's been so dominant. He's been so great for so long. So for the younger generation, it's kind of it's very difficult to, to think that there is somebody that was actually better than Jordan or better than LeBron. And it was Jordan. Jordan is better. Um, and, and, and I talked about the six finals losses. Let's break that. Let's break down. I want to break. I want to. I want to show you guys this right here. What I'm about to break down. Let's break down LeBron's six finals losses, because the MJ fans they point to LeBron has six finals losses. Okay, let's break it down. LeBron's six finals losses. In LeBron's first finals loss, he lost to the San Antonio Spurs. Um, that Cleveland team that was in 07, that Cleveland team had no business in that series. In, in, in 07, LeBron and those Cavaliers had no business in that series and LeBron had no chance to win that series. He didn't, he didn't have another all-star caliber teammate next to him. I don't hold that finals loss towards LeBron. Okay. The first loss versus Golden State. He had no Kyrie or Kevin Love. 
His second best player was arguably it was arguably Matthew Delavadova or Timothy Mozgov. Okay, that those those you know the the numbers may say Matthew Delavadova was a little bit better than Timothy Mozgov, uh, but. You know, those were that 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 was who LeBron was relying on. Matthew Delavadova versus the Golden State Warriors, who, who who had the best record in the Western Conference and had ran through the Western Conference. I don't hold that. I don't hold that series against LeBron. He took that. He took that that Cavaliers team or that Warriors team rather to six games in the NBA Finals. And if you want to be completely honest. He should have won Finals MVP despite not winning the championship. He should have won Finals MVP, but I don't hold that. That that's a loss. I don't hold against LeBron. And then in 2017 and in 2018, the year after LeBron beats the 73 and nine Warriors, he comes back from three one. In the NBA Finals, in dramatic fashion, and he beats the he beats the Warriors. He beat a 73-win team. That same 73-win team went and added Kevin Durant, arguably the second best player in basketball. LeBron had no chance at beating those teams. I don't hold that against LeBron. Nope. I mean, hell, nobody probably could have beaten those teams. Nobody could have nobody could have beaten those teams. I don't hold that against LeBron. I I, I just don't. I mean, a, a, a 73 win team, they go and add the second, the, arguably the second best player in basketball to that team. And they were, on, they were only one game away. They were one win away from beating LeBron. And they add a, a, a player of Kevin Durant's caliber to that team. It's no way. It's no way. So I don't hold that against LeBron. Now, the finals losses that I do hold against LeBron. 2011 versus the Mavericks. LeBron had an all-time meltdown on the biggest stage in the sport. He had an all-time meltdown like we never seen from another superstar. I, I mean, I think... The, the 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 Clippers losing the three one deficit, what I think that's as bad as it can get to the Nuggets. But LeBron just completely freezing under pressure and had a all time meltdown versus the Dallas Mavericks led by Dirk Nowitzki. I got that 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 that's a blemish, and I gotta hold that. I got I have to hold that against LeBron. I cannot excuse that. That is that I cannot excuse that. 2011, you he, he had co-stars. He had D-Wade, Chris Bosh. He had some he had some he had some fine complimentary pieces. And and let's just be honest. Dirk Nowitzki completely outplayed LeBron James. And I know LeBron, I know LeBron didn't guard, I know he didn't guard Dirk Nowitzki. But Dirk Nowitzki completely outplayed LeBron James. He completely outplayed Le- LeBron James. And then his final year in Miami versus the Spurs. Yes, the Spurs played beautiful team basketball. But 
I got I have to hold that loss to LeBron as well. I have to hand him that loss. That is not an excuse. Yes, the, the Spurs played great team basketball, but that was not an excuse to lose that series. And the Spurs, they 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 annihilated the Heat and ran the Heat out in five games. The Spurs beat the Heat in five games in LeBron's final year, Miami. So, you know, most of the finals losses, I don't count towards LeBron. But there's at least two where I have to. And there was a final series where there was a, there in the finals, Dirk Nowitzki completely outplayed LeBron James. Now, let's shift gears to Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan played eight seasons with another all-star, of course, Scottie Pippen. Eight seasons. Get this. Michael Jordan played eight seasons with Scottie Pippen. In those eight years, Jordan got six rings, six championships, six for six. You want you you want to know what happens? You want to know what happened in the in the other two years? The other two years where Jordan did not win the title when he had another All Star beside him. In a game seven versus the bad boy Pistons, Scottie Pippen had a migraine headache. Scottie Pippen scored two points, and Scottie Pippen was not an all-star. That led to the Bulls, that, that led to the Bulls losing that series. The Bulls practically could have won that series. And then the second year, where Jordan you know, didn't win the championship without another all-star, he had played baseball. Jordan wasn't in basketball shape. He only played 17 games coming from baseball. And he lost to a 60-win Orlando Magic team he, with, with, with Shaq and Penny Hardaway. But if you take away those two years, Jordan won six championships, six for six times, six for six. Six for six in the championship, in the finals. And he never got outplayed in the NBA Finals. He never got outplayed in the NBA Finals. And this is, what I, this is what I did not want to do. Because it makes, me seem, it, makes it seem like I'm anti-LeBron. When I, when I actually love LeBron. It, that, but with, the, with that, it makes it seem like that. It, it makes it seem like that way. And when you are, when you're like, and this is just the, this is just the challenging part when you're trying to compare careers towards Michael Jordan's, because when you compare other players to Michael Jordan, it in some way, form or fashion, the argument just gets smashed every single time it gets, it, it, it just gets smashed every single time. And it somewhat becomes laughable. Like, just think about it. Jordan, the, the, literally the only two years when Jordan had an all-star, when he had, a, when he had an all-star teammate, the two years that Jordan didn't win the title was first because Scotty had a migraine and he was compromised and Scotty only, only scored two points. And then the second time, he had came back from baseball and only played 17 regular season games 
and lost to a 60-win team in the Orlando Magic. But the following year, he came back and swept that same Magic team. He came back and swept Shaq, Penny Hardaway. He came back and he swept that entire Magic team the following year. Also, when you when, like when you're just matching up the players, just matching them up as far as like what they can do. Jordan had no weakness in his game. Jordan had no weakness in his game. His game was refined. Jordan had no weakness in his game. LeBron, I mean, it, it, some of you guys may think it's a nitpick, but LeBron, the weak, I can put out a weakness in LeBron's game. Free throw shooting. Free throw shooting. That, that, that's a weakness. That's a, and that's a glaring weakness for LeBron James. And it still is to this day. He's not a great free throw shooter. And, I mean, going into year 18, I don't know if he ever will be. And then another weakness I can point out on LeBron's game is the lack of a mid-range pull-up game. LeBron has historic, LeBron has struggled from the mid-range area. He has struggled to hit those mid-range jump shots, especially like pull-up mid-range jump shots, consistently. He struggled to do that. Jordan was the better defender. Jordan won defensive player of the year. Jordan was the better defender. I, 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 I'm just giving you guys facts. It may seem like I'm, I'm, I'm anti-LeBron. It may, you may think I'm biased. I don't know how because I'm a LeBron fan. I'm a LeBron guy. So I, I don't think I, I don't consider myself biased, but this is just the fact of the matter. This is just the fact of the matter. LeBron, he, he, he's not as good. He, I, I mean, Jordan is just at a different level. And when you're chasing Jordan, and he's and this is why Jordan is the consensus goat because when you, you it's such a uphill battle. And when you look at Michael Jordan's career, it's damn near perfect. It's 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 damn near perfect. It's 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 a perfect career. You can't you can't. It's 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 an up it's an upwards battle to beat that. Now I think LeBron is really close. I think LeBron is really close. And I think if LeBron could win one, if he can win two more championships and be six and six in the finals, six and six wins, six losses. Um, then he ha- he has a- his argument. I think will become stronger, but I mean it's an uphill battle when you're trying to chase Michael Jordan. It's just an uphill battle, and I mean, I- and that's not my only like that's not my only reasoning why I think Jordan's the goat. But that's I, I think that's big. I think that's pretty big. I think that's pretty telling. What I just stated, I think that's pretty telling. I have more reasons why I think Jordan's the goat. And I can give you more, but that would take an entire episode. That would take, I mean, that, let's, let's just be honest. That would take an entire episode. So, um, let's shift gears. Let's shift gears to Baker Mayfield huh, and the Browns. <laughs> I'm about, oh my God, oh my gosh. Uh, let's switch gears. And like I said, I think Jordan, there's multiple reasons why I think Jordan is the GOAT. Um, I can give you guys multiple reasons why, but that's just one reason. 
And I, and I just took, I, I took, hey, because usually the Jordan fans the or the LeBron haters, they, they, <laughs> they love to talk about the six finals losses. And, you, and sometimes people just lack context. So I, I had to provide some type of context with Jordan's, I mean, with LeBron, not Jordan's, damn, with LeBron's six finals losses. With Jordan, though, I told you guys, eight seasons with an all-star caliber teammate, and he won the championship six times. And you know the reasons why he didn't win it all. His, th those other two years, the other two years, those are excuses. Just like those are, those are reasons why he didn't win it. Those are excuses. And those are excuses just like LeBron's, some of, the, some of LeBron's finals losses. But that's just one aspect. I can give you guys another aspect on the next episode, but I think Jordan's to go. Simple as that. I think Jordan's to go. But let's move on to Baker. Let's, let's, let's move on to Baker. <laughs> and before I even move on to Baker, um... The Dodgers won game one of the World Series. Clay, Kurt, Clayton Kershaw, he, he pitched six great innings. He only allowed two hits. Um, good outing. I'm glad for Kershaw. The Dodgers should win this World Series. They should win this series. Uh, and I feel good for Clayton Kershaw. Now, let's get into Baker. I wanted to lighten up the move a little bit, but let's get into Baker Mayfield. So Baker and the Browns this past weekend, they stepped up in the in the level of competition and they went to Pittsburgh and it got ugly. It got ugly really quickly. And let me tell you the harsh truth about Baker Mayfield. Let me tell you the harsh truth about Baker Mayfield here. And it seems like all the other sports shows all the other sports shows across the country, they're just now starting to realize it. Because it's as clear as day. It's as clear as day. But it's really easy to point out something when, it, when it's obvious. Because it's obvious that Baker has limitations. It's obvious that Baker isn't as he's he's not as good as advertised. He's not as good as his number one overall draft pick was a couple years back. It's easy to point it out now, but I was amongst the one that I, since I started this podcast of of July of 2019, I have been critical of Baker every single time. I have been critical of Baker and I have pointed this thing out before a lot of people. Of when I started this podcast of July of 2019, I told you guys and I, I I'm on record all throughout all throughout that offseason, I had remained steady with my with with, with my opinion. Baker is not as good as advertised. He is not as good as people think. He's not as good as he thinks. Baker think he is he think he's the greatest. He think he is the greatest. Let me tell you this. 
Baker Mayfield's record, he is 4-13 versus, versus teams with winning records. And, 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 and in those 17 games, he has 29 turnovers. He has 29 turnovers. And I know, I know the Cleveland Browns, they don't have the best reputation. I know they don't have the brightest history. I know that. I know that. We, we all know that. We know their past. We know the Cleveland Browns have often been a laughing stock of the NFL. But now, this Browns team now, they have, they have weapons everywhere. <laughs> they can run the football. They got a pretty good defense. Kevin Stefanski, uh, he's a pretty good coach from, from, the, from the looks of it. He's a pretty good coach. I like, I like Kevin Stefanski. We all see that Baker, he is holding back this Browns team. And he's holding back this Browns team due to his limitations. And Baker, like I, I've always stated, I think he's average to a below average quarterback. Baker's average. He's average. He's average. He looks really good. He looks he looks superior when he's playing against I don't know the Bengals. <laughs> Though the, I mean he 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 kills the Bengals. He 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 I mean he plays well every time he plays the Bengals. But. It's a, it's it's evident. The, the 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 two losses, the two blemishes on the Cleveland Browns record this year so far is they're, they're versus both of the both of their it's both it's, it's it's versus both of their AFC North rivals in the Ravens and in the Steelers. Both teams are better than the Browns. And, and and a large part of them being better is due to Baker Mayfield's play. His play just isn't good enough. And I know, I know, I know the Steelers defense, it's really good. It, it's one of the best defense in football best defenses in football. I've been talking about it. I've been talking I mean, everybody talks about the Steelers defense. We all know what's good. And I'm not trying to degrade the Steelers. No, 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 no. I'm not trying to do that. But you gotta play better. When you have the supporting cast that Baker Mayfield has, you have to play better. You have to play better. You have to play better. Um, and get this. The Browns have played six games this year. In three games, in three of those six games, Baker had Baker Mayfield has a he has a complete percentage of 60 or below. His completion percentage this year so far is 60.6. He's completing 60.6 of his percent of his passes. You have to be there. You, I mean, that like that has to be better in today's NFL. In today's NFL, that has to be better. Um, we, 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 we see, we see, we're seeing a lot of quarterbacks have really good years, really efficient years because the offenses so far this year are so advanced and the offenses are so difficult to stop. Well, Baker, he's 29th in completion percentage this year. 
He's 29th. And, and like I said, this is just unacceptable with the amount of weapons that he has. It's unacceptable. It, 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 I mean, it's mind-boggling. And this is what I talked about. Remember, remember, I pointed out, I think, several weeks ago, after, after, after um, the Browns, after the Browns had beat Cincinnati, I pointed out, I said, hey, the Browns, they got a tough stretch coming up. They, 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 they play the Washington football team. They play the Cowboys. They play uh, the Colts, and they play the Steelers. Now, I know they went 3-1 and one during that stretch. The Browns won three out of those four games. But if you were really watching those four games, Baker Mayfield wasn't the he wasn't the the sole reason why they won those football games. The Browns won those football games because they was able to run the football. They ran the football all over the Washington football team. They had they had almost they had three hundred rushing yards versus the Cowboys. They Indianapolis they have limitations offensively, but Pittsburgh was able to stop the run. And Baker Mayfield and his flaws and his limitations, they all, they, they all were on display. They all were on display. And that says a lot. That's, that, that says a lot as a quarterback when, when, when your coach runs the football first. When you, when, when I, and, I, and I know the Browns, they have great backs. And I know that's what Kevin Stefanski, that's what he likes to do. He, he, you know, he's a guy that runs the football. He did it in Minnesota. But it says a lot when your team, your team's success is predicated off of running the football and playing defense. That says a lot as a, as a quarterback. That says a lot. And then my final point about Baker. Baker is now, he's, he's currently the fourth best quarterback in his division. He's the fourth best quarterback in his division. Yeah, you have Lamar, Ben Roethlisberger, and Joe Burrow. And this is the dilemma that the Cleveland Browns face. Because the Browns, I'm I'm going to tell you this. The Browns will be fine. The Browns will be fine this year. Looking at their schedule, the Browns, they, they, they should be able to make the playoffs. Um, it's not a it's not a lot of teams with great records. They play Tennessee. Like these are the teams on that's remaining on their schedule that have winning records. Tennessee, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. But the rest of their schedule, it's durable. They can they can win nine games with this schedule and get to the playoffs with the with with the addition with the additional playoff spot. Because they're not going to win their division with Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Baltimore is 5-1. Pittsburgh is 5-0. They're not going to win the division. But they can sneak in as a wild card. But here is the dilemma. Here is the dilemma for the Browns front office. And this is why they get paid big bucks. This is why they get paid big bucks. Because the Browns have to realize. They have to, they have to analyze. And they have to closely evaluate Baker Mayfield. And they have to say... Because this is a big, this is a, this is a crucial time. His fifth year option is coming up, and the Browns could pick. They could, 
they can pick up his fifth-year option, or if they decide not to pick up his fifth-year option, Baker Mayfield can become, he could become a free agent in the, in 2021. And they have to decide, are, they gonna, are, are, they, are the Browns willing to pay Baker Mayfield big money? Are they willing to pay him big money? And you guys already know my answer. As with Baker being the fourth best quarterback in his division, you can't pay him big money. You can't pay a quarterback that's the fourth best in his division big money. You can't. You can't. And yes, Joe Burrow, he's young. He's a rookie. He's better. Joe Burrow Joe, Bur- Joe Burrow has a he has a suffering offensive line, a horrible offensive line. He's the most pressured quarterback in the NFL. He he's he's been the most sack quarterback in the NFL. I mean, supporting cast nowhere near Baker's, and he's overcoming and having success. Baker has everything around him. He has the, he has a revamped offensive line, great running game, receivers and tight ends on the outside on the perimeter to throw the football to. And Kevin Stefanski, he seems like the right coach. He seems like the right coach for the job. He seems like the right coach for the job. So, and, and like I said, it says a lot when the team, when when the Browns, their winning formula is running the football and playing defense. That says a lot as a quarterback. And you and and, and you have to ask yourself: Are the Browns winning because of Baker Mayfield, or are they winning? In spite of Baker Mayfield, because it's anybody can eat anybody can beat the bottom tier teams, Cincinnati. Anybody can beat those teams, but is Baker Mayfield? Does he have the ability? Is he good enough to make the throws, make the plays that need to be made versus the better teams in the league? Can he do that versus the better teams in the league? And I think that is that is a question. That is something that the Browns must evaluate, and I'm sure they're going to do it because this, this, this. I mean, the front this 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 Browns front office they didn't draft Baker. This was the previous regime draft pick. So the Browns front they won't be reluctant to move off of Baker because that wasn't their draft pick. They didn't draft Baker. And that's what I talked about. Remember, that's what I talked about last month. Remember I talked about that last month? I said, this front office won't be reluctant to move Baker or to get rid of Baker or to go in another direction. They won't. They won't. So let's shift gears to some more chaos. Another chaotic situation in Dallas. The latest reports coming out of Dallas is the players are now ripping the coaches. The players are now calling out the coaches. Uh, and this is all, you know, no, this is no face. Nobody, there's no face to these words. The, you know, these, the, these sources are anonymous. But according to Gene Slater, uh, players are, you know, saying the the coaches game plan, the Cowboy coaches game plans are flawed. They can't make in-game adjustments. They can't make adjustments on the fly. They said schematically it's not working. But 
I had, co- but the cowboy coaches were were calling out players on their on players on the efforts. So, you know, the coaches are being called out due to their game plans and the lack of preparation and the lack of making adjustments. And now the and, 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 and you know the coaches called out the players on their effort. I think it's a combination of both. And I can come on here and talk about how the de- how the cow how bad the Cowboys defense defense is because we all know it's bad. We all know it's bad. But I'm going to take it to the next level. Jerry Jones is a great businessman. He's terrific. He knows how to sell tickets. He knows how to sell tickets. He he he's box office. He knows what that is like. He's a businessman and he's a he's a damn good one. He's a damn good businessman. But Jerry Jones, the owner, Jerry Jones, the GM, especially the GM, Jerry Jones, the GM, you got to start up, you got to start upstairs. And Jerry Jones, he wants yes men. This is a product of what, what he wants. This is a product of what Jerry Jones wants. He wants yes men all around him. Um, and, he, he, and, he, and also... Equally as important, Jerry Jones wants credit for building a Super Bowl winning team. He wants credit for building a Super Bowl caliber team. He wants credit for that. He wants credit for that. Um, he wants he he wants that type of credit. He wants that type of recognition. Uh, I think I, looking at this whole situation, you can you can you can date back to. When Jerry Jones got rid of Jim, when Jerry Jones got rid of Jimmy Johnson, and he hired Bird Switzer, yeah, Bird Switzer won a Super Bowl, but that was Jimmy's. That was Jimmy's team. Jimmy, Jimmy had won two Super Bowls, back to back Super Bowls prior to that. Um, then Jerry hires Bird Switzer. Bird Switzer, yeah, he won, but like I said, Jerry, that those were Jimmy's teams. Um, and. We all know since we know the coaching history since then, guys like Wade Phillips, guys like Jason Garrett. You you realize there's a trend. Jerry Jones couldn't deal with a Bill Parcells or Jimmy Johnson because first they were not yes men. They didn't say yes 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 to say they didn't say yes 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 to everything. They weren't yes men. And not only that. As I already mentioned, Jerry wants credit. He wants the credit for building a Super Bowl caliber team. Well, this this past offseason, Jerry Jones, he hires Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy, um, he got fired by the Packers, which says a lot, but he got fired. That's nevertheless. He got fired by the Packers. Mike McCarthy takes a year off. He goes into his basement and he remodifies his basement. And he, he, I mean, he basically remodifies his living quarters. And he, and he, in some way, somehow, just in one year, he becomes this analytics freak. He's this analytical nerd all of a sudden, just in one year. And, you know, okay, sure, okay, we're buying into this. 
Jerry hires Mike McCarthy. And you know what? Mike McCarthy, you, he's that old, he, Mike McCarthy is that old fat guy that tries to wear skinny jeans because he want to be hip. He, want, he, he wants to be a hipster. He wants to be hip. But it's the same way with Mike McCarthy in his coaching. Mike McCarthy, rigid dude, conservative guy. Now he wants to be the, the the he wants to be the coach of analytics. He's supposed to be this analytic guy. He, he's supposed to be this analytic guy. And, and, and I found it really interesting because when the reporters asked him a question, like I think the reporters asked him, since you since you have arrived in Dallas, have this team gotten better? And Mike McCarthy replied, Well, the analytics say, well, no, 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 no. It's not. It's it, that, that that's that that answer. That that answer doesn't. That answer doesn't require any analytics. It's just a simple yay or nay. It's just a simple yay or nay. Mike McCarthy he went into the whole analytics bag. He getting his analytics. I want you know. So the analytics say this. No 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 no. It's a yay or nay. It's a yes or no answer. There's no analytics. Has this football team gotten better since Mike McCarthy taken over? No, it has not. And since the since the horrific injury, the heartbreaking injury, since that since that Dak injury, the Cowboys have completely fallen apart. And Mike McCarthy hired Mike McCarthy did not want to be challenged, and he hired a yes man, and he hired Mike Nolan. He hired Mike Nolan. Now, Mike McCarthy, he's supposed to be this analytical dude. He's supposed to be a new and a refined coach. The first move the new and analytic coach makes is hiring a, a, a defensive coordinator in Mike Nolan who hasn't had a job in six years. And the last time we saw him in Atlanta, he had the second to worst defense in the foot in, in, in the National Football League. But I thought Mike McCarthy was supposed to be this new analytics coach. I thought he was supposed to be this new refined coach. So that's part of the problem. I mean, and it's a big part of the problem. Jerry Jones, because it, it, it starts at the front office and then it's just a latter part. So Jerry Jones, the owner slash GM slash president, it starts right there. And then you get down from the coach and then the defensive coordinators, then your assistant coaches, and then the, the players. Ezekiel Elliott, his performance on Monday night, he should be ashamed of himself. Ezekiel Elliott should be ashamed of himself. And I think Ezekiel Elliott is still talented. I was, I'm a big fan of Zeke. But let's be honest. Let, 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 let's be honest. Okay, let's be honest. Ezekiel Elliott, and let's, this, this is the harsh truth. This is the harsh truth right here. Ezekiel Elliott, since his rookie year, he has not set, he has not had that same burst. He hasn't had that same burst of speed since his rookie year. 
He hasn't had that same burst of speed since his rookie year. And you, if you look across, if you look across the seasons, if you look across over the past few seasons, his yards per game, his yards per carry, they are gradually decreasing. They are gradually declining. Ezekiel Elliott, before our own eyes, is gradually declining. I think he's still talented. But he is gradually declining. And it's fairly obvious to see. But he should be ashamed of himself. Because not only he doesn't have that same burst of speed. But at the darnest time. At the darnest moment. When, when the Cowboys need Ezekiel Elliott the most. Because Dak Prescott is hurt. He's injured and he's out. Zeke. And you can tell on Monday night. The game plan offensively, at least early on, was to feed Zeke, as, as he says, feed me. That, that, that was the game plan. And Ezekiel Elliott fumbled twice, which led to two Cardinals touchdowns, which led to the beginning of the slaughter. So that leads me to other players on the Cowboys who are making a lump sum of money. Um, the Cowboy, and this is the this is the problem with the Cowboys. The the cow the Cowboys are paying literally everybody. That I mean, the Cowboys are paying everybody. They're paying everybody, but the 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 guys that they are paying, most of the guys that they are paying big dollars to, they're not productive. They're not producing right now. They're paying Zeke a boatload. They're paying Demarcus Lawrence. He can't even get to the quarterback. They're paying him a boatload. They're paying Amari Cooper a boatload. They're paying Jalen Smith up. They, he just got a new deal. He hasn't been the same. It all makes sense. They, 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 have, they, have, they have put so much. They have invested so much draft capital and draft equity and so much money into their offensive line. And yes, they've done a good job with drafting the offensive line. But the offensive line is hurt now. Tyron Smith has a big eight-year deal. He no, longer, he no longer can play 16 games. Zach Martin got hurt on Monday. Your Hall of Fame center, Travis Frederick, he retired. Lionel Collins, he's out for the season. So, your O-line is depleted, and you're paying them a bunch of money. It's a sad day for the Cowboys. But, once again, I guess don't panic. The Cowboys shouldn't be panicking, because look at the division they play in. Their division is horrible. Their division is horrible. <laughs> the Cowboys division is it's, it's horrible. The Cowboy, the, the NFC East as an entire division, they have five wins as a, as a whole. Five wins as a, as a whole division. The Steelers have five wins. The, the Ravens have five wins. The the Bears have five wins. The Chiefs have five wins. The Titans have five wins. 
There are about six teams that have just as many wins as the entire NFC East. The Seahawks have five wins. It is a sad day for, for all of these franchises. It's a sad day because the NFC East was once the most dominant division in football. Go back and do your homework. If you're if you're young, if you're one of these, if you're, you know, to the younger generation, go back and do your homework. Look at the NFC East in the 1980s and in the early 90s. Look look at the NFC East as like in the late 80s from the late, from like the mid 80s all the way up to like the early 90s. Go look at the NFC East. Throughout that time slot, throughout that time frame, it was the most compelling, it was the most competitive, and it was the most dominant division in football. Because you had the Washington football team winning Super Bowls, you had the New York Giants winning Super Bowls, you had the Dallas Cowboys winning Super Bowls, and the Philadelphia Eagles, they weren't winning Super Bowls. But they had some really good football teams that 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 were in the playoffs. And in the eighties, and from 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 about the mid nineteen eighties, all the way to to the early nineties, the NFC the NFC was controlling the league. They were controlling the league. Ask the Buffalo Bills. Ask ask, ask those Bills teams. Because those Bills teams would run up against Washington. Those Bills teams would run up against the Giants. Those Bills teams would run up against the Cowboys. And they would lose every single time. Actually, get this. Those Bills teams, all four of those Bills teams that got to the Super Bowl. The Bills got to the Super Bowl four times. Four, four straight times. And they lost to all... They lost to... The NFC East. They lost to three teams in the NFC East. They lost to the Giants once. They lost to the Cowboys twice. And they lost to the Washington football team once. Cowboys twice. Washington football team once. And the Giants once. It's just very sad to see this entire division go to the pits of hell like this. It's, It's sad. It is sad. It's a sad day for the NFC East and these fans. Because the, the, the older fans of these teams remember those great rivalries and how great those teams were. were. And now to see, especially the Cowboys, Washington, and the Giants, at least Philadelphia, They've they've gotten to the playoffs consecutive. They've gotten to the playoffs, I think, four straight years. And they've gotten to the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl um, recently. But Cowboys, Giants, Washington, three of the more premier franchises in in, in this league have just gone down. They've, They've just gone downhill. They've just gone downhill. Whew. I take a, I'm taking a break. <laughs> I'm taking a break. Okay, so <clears throat> I did that. I went on a rant. Um, that was a rant right there. So 
as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, at the top of this episode, I said, hey, it's Tua time in Miami. I'm excited to see Tua. Uh, if you guys remember, before Joe Burrow had burst onto the scene and exploded at, a L- at LSU, Tua was supposed to be the number one pick. Tua was supposed to be the quarterback, the the premier quarterback in this upcoming in this past draft. Excuse me. Um, it it, it is very it, it's it, it's some people a lot of people find it very shocking. Um, with the Dolphins being at three and three, Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, the last two weeks playing really well. Um, but we all know Ryan Fitzpatrick and his career trends. Ryan Ryan Fitzpatrick, he is so interesting as a quarterback. He's the same. He's the court. He's the type of quarterback that can throw four touchdowns and have four hundred passing yards. But at the same time, in the next in the next week, he can throw for like three hundred yards and four interceptions. He's very he's very sporadic. But He's, but I do want to give major props to Ryan Fitzpatrick and what he has done. Um, and, you know, what he has done with the football team on and off the field and with Tua because it seems like that relationship is very genuine. But with Tua, here's my concern. Uh, or what, not, not my concern, but here's my thoughts on... this. It's not really a concern, but here's my thoughts on... Tua starting for the Dolphins, Brian Flores, who I, I like. I think he's doing a good job. I think he's doing a hell of a job. And I predicted the Dolphins to be an 8-8, eight 7-9 eight, eight team. It seems like they're trending in that direction, maybe, um, with them being 3-3. Three and three. Brian Flores, I guess he wanted to see how this offensive line would jail. Um, before he threw Tua out there. Now, it's an old saying, hurting college, hurting the pros. And Tua was, I mean, he dealt with, he dealt with quite a few injuries at Alabama. And some suspect that, 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 you know, that's going to carry over because this is a physical, this is a physical game. Football is a physical game. And some, and some think that this is going to, it's going to carry over. Um, I would just say it very well could, uh, but I think the, I think the Dolphins needed to do this sooner than later because you look at this quarterback draft coming up and I've talked about this, this draft as far as quarterbacks, um, with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and Trey Lance, um, and the kid out of BYU, he looks pretty good. I've talked about where. I like I, I like at least two of these guys. I gotta I gotta watch. I mean Trey Lance. He only he was on. He only played one game this year. He's only gonna play one game this year at college. But I like Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, he checks all the boxes. He, I think he's the best. He's the best prospect. College, he's the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. I've been saying that since last year. Um, and then Justin Fields. Justin Fields, if he wasn't in the same draft class as Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields would be a legitimate number one overall pick. So that's how good both of these quarterbacks are. And the Dolphins, they have they have a, they have some draft capital, and I think it's 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 imperative that they find out if Tua's the guy or not. I think it's important that they find out if Tua's the guy or not. 
Um, because there's no problem with drafting quarterbacks in back-to-back drafts. Arizona did it. It worked out. Arizona drafted Josh Rosen. Didn't quite work out. They were skeptical of him. They drafted Kyler Murray. Now they have a guy. They, 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 have, they have one of the better young quarterbacks in football. So I think it's, I think it's important. And I, and I think I mentioned, I think I may have mentioned this earlier um, throughout a couple weeks ago. It's important that Tua, that we start to see Tua. Um, now, here's the thing. Here's the thing with Tua Tagovailoa. I think Tua is a great quarterback. Pro- I think he's a good quarterback prospect. But I could be wrong. And the reasons, the one important reason why I could be wrong is he played at Alabama. I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks that were pretty good at Alabama. I mean, and you look at Tua, boy. The weapons he had at Alabama, he had four first-round receivers he was throwing to. He was throwing, he was throwing to four first-round receivers. Two of those receivers got drafted this year, Ruggs and Jerry Judy. The next two are coming out, Smith um, and Jalen Waddle. They're coming out this year. Those, that's, that's, that would make four first-round receivers. Also, he had Najee Harris in the background, in, in, in the backfield. Najee Harris is probably a first-round pick. So we're legitimately talking about five first-rounders, not to mention the offensive line. We already know Alabama, they have great offensive linemen. Not to mention the offensive linemen. That's a lot. That, I mean, that's a lot. That, that, that's a hell of a supporting gas. It's not quite the same in the NFL. Um, and I have talked about this on, on previous occasions about Tua. He's an Alabama quarterback. Maybe, and there's a chance where he can just be one of those typical Alabama quarterbacks. Those, those typical Alabama quarterbacks, they win a lot. They win, they, win a couple, uh, they win a couple SEC championships. They win a couple national titles. They look good in college because everything is around them and they're playing with so much talent. But when they get into the pros and the talent level is not the same on their respective pro football teams, they don't look as good. And they turn out to be busts. And they don't turn out to be as good as advertised. Tua could be that way. It could be that way. I could be wrong about Tua. I think Tua is a... I think he's different from any other prospect that... um. That like we have seen under the Knicks, as far as a quarterback, he's he's very different. Like look at the quarterbacks that Nick Saban has had. I think Tua is the, amongst the most talented and just different, um, as far as talent wise. Nick Saban had to literally shift his whole offensive playbook and scheme around Tua and his abilities. So I think that's what makes him different, but. I like his accuracy. He's dead point accurate. He's not the most mobile. He's not the most athletic, but he's he's not like he's not immobile. So we'll see. And also, um, before I let you guys go, I also want to talk about or touch bases on the Tennessee Titans because for the couple for the couple week, for a couple weeks now, I've caught a lot of slack not mentioning the Tennessee Titans. And a lot of that, I like Mike. I, I like Mike Vrabel as a coach. He's one of the better coaches in football. And I think when we're talking about the the you know when we're talking about the best young coaches in football, like Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, uh, 
Sean, Sean McDermott. We gotta mention Mike Vrabel. He's done a great job with this team. And Derrick Henry is a beast. Derrick Henry is a monster. But Ryan Tannehill, you know, you know, you know how it, it I don't know. It's when I ha- when I when when I've seen a player in one particular team or one particular instance and they haven't looked they haven't looked good, but then they go to a whole different setting and they take their play up to a couple notches and this is who they are and then it turns out that they're pretty good. That is Ryan Tannehill because in Miami, he wasn't he wasn't terrible in Miami. But I didn't think he was this good in Miami. And now that he's doing it consistently in Tennessee with the Titans, Brian Tannehill's pretty good. <laughs> I have to change my opinion. And that's sometimes hard to do because when you have formed an opinion about someone, especially an athlete, it's, it's usually, it usually doesn't change. But I have to change my opinion about Brian Tannehill. I, I mean, he's... He's pretty damn good. I mean, back-to-back week scoring 40-plus points. Brian Tannehill is pretty good, and the Titans are pretty good. So um, I have my top 10 list created, but you, as you guys all know, you got to wait for um, the next episode. You got to wait for Saturday's episode to get my top 10, but the Titans will be in my top 10. Um, because they're five and zero, and I, I can no longer dispute how good they are. I, I mean, they're they're a good football team. So that's just the closing touches, closing pieces of this episode. Um, you guys have done you you guys are doing a good job with clicking. Um, I'm gonna continue more with the Michael Jordan and LeBron. Like I said, I think that's just one reason. That's just one reason why I think Michael is the GOAT. That's just one reason. I just gave you that one reason. That's just one reason why I think Michael's the GOAT. But I'm going to let you guys go. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, Catch you guys back on Saturday. Hope you guys enjoy this. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week. Always remember, two choices, one decision. And I am out. Deuces. Peace. Adios.